This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. And give us a call at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. In the meantime, we are going to start with some headlines. Well, that bad road trip continues for the Mariners. They lost three out of four to a bad Detroit team. Now Cleveland shut them out last night, seven to nothing. That's the eighth shutout for the Mariners as they drop now three games below 500. And you can see that the hitting continues to be a big problem. Uh, you know, they're still fighting injuries. They were able to get the you know a couple guys back. Graveman's now back uh, after the COVID nineteen, so they're getting some guys back. But overall, right now. Bad road trip for the Mariners. They'll continue along today. Game time will be 1-10. As we found out on Thursday, Russell Wilson seems to be okay with everything here in Seattle to a point where he wants to you know, finish his career here. Uh, he's willing to uh, accept some kind of a restructured deal to clear up cap room, all those different things. So that's encouraging. So in, in the end, it looks like things are okay on the Seahawks front. As far as Russell Wilson ending the most overbloated story I've ever been involved in, talking about the idea about him being uh, traded and him being wanting to get out of here. Sure, there's frustrations about getting hit too often. Uh, he even expressed that on Thursday in a brief uh, little statement. But he talked 30 minutes, and it was all positive. And those are our headlines. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to JB in Renton. Hey, JB. Hey, Mr. Clayton, how you doing this fine Saturday morning, my friend? Good. Right quick, Julio Jones going to Tennessee. Yeah. Were you surprised? Uh, not really, no. They, they were the team that no. needed him the most. I mean, because mm-hmm. they, they have so little with the – I mean, you know, because they lost Corey Davis at wide receiver, Juno Smith the tight end, and, you know, they, they certainly had, uh, you know, Brown, P.J. Brown at wide receiver, and they moved Josh Reynolds over from the Rams, but they only had two really good receivers. And so – for, for them to step up like they did, not have to give a number one pick, and then have Ryan Tannehill restructure his contract, I think that made the most sense. And so it's like, uh, just so now Julio goes there, and now that makes him even more powerful on offense. Do you think they, do you think they're, they're, they are better than the, uh, than the Colts? Mm, I'm right debating now. it. No, but right now they might be a little bit better now that they added Julio on offense because you know they're probably better on offense. You know, with Ryan Tannehill over uh, Carson Wentz, but uh, defensively they're still challenged. And I think the Colts have a better defense. And if that's the case, I think you know they're both they're both ten or eleven win teams. But uh, <laughs> you know, the one thing we know is I think about the star system that they have on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, number one, you know, they've got uh, Derrick Henry in the backfield. And with the three receivers that they have, there's no way you can play eight in the box against them. Because, again, you can't. that makes it tougher to stop the run. And then Tannehill's pretty decent and has been good since coming over to Tennessee at quarterback. So that puts them in a good spot. Yeah, it does. The only thing I worry about is they, they had that last year that lack of pass rush. Yeah, they had none. Yeah. And, and, and that's, what, and that's none. what you wonder about. Now, they signed Bud Dupree. But, uh, you know, he's still coming off an ACL. So, I mean, you would think he's going to be okay because he's a good pass rusher. I mean, remember, they spent $22.5 million on Jadevian Clowney and Vic Beasley, and they got zero sacks from the two of them. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that, was a, that was a 
That was a money not well spent over there. So, you know, Bud Dupree, coming off that ACL, normally yeah. you see a guy, you know, modern medicine might be a little better this year, right? Normally you see a guy coming off an ACL, you see him the better the next year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, you know, so, you know, it's going to, I'm going to just take a wait and see on that with Bud Dupree as far as him coming off and being the person that he was in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Also, yet, yet, Lil Watt on the opposite side of him, so that kind of offset a lot of things as far as pass rush is concerned. Right. You know, the teams had to really pick who they wanted to go after to try to stop. Mm-hmm. So it, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, I, I think it's gonna, it's gonna help them out. I, I just think that Frank Wright is a guy that I think that he can change Carson Wentz around. What do you think? Oh, I think so. I mean, you saw what he did when he was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. I mean, he worked with him. Mm -hmm. He's a very positive guy, and Carson Wentz is not one that really likes to take the extra criticism. That became a problem with him and Doug Peterson and the staff in Philly. And so uh, what what happens is that when Frank Reich was together with Carson Wentz in Philly, he was 18-11 and in his first 29 games, and in his second year was taking the Eagles to the Super Bowl before he got hurt. So yeah, I think it's a good fit. Yeah, I think there's going to be a. I think sometimes a change, a change of scenery, sometimes helps helps a person out as far as their career is concerned. And like you say, him knowing Frank Wright is going to be a real good help for him. Yeah, and of course, I, I mean, I ended up doing a uh, Washington Post story on the Colts talking to the general manager Chris Ballard, and they Chris likes and Carson likes. And so far, uh, Frank Reich likes what they see. And, you know, they, they certainly would have liked to have Phillip Rivers back for another year because they won 11 games with him. But also what they realized, they, at some point after Andrew Luck stunned them with the retirement, they had to find a long-term replacement. And you, you think about this because I didn't even had to go back and look at this, is that uh, here they are picking up Carson Wentz on a $32 million contract, but he's got four years left in the contract. So at least they know, and the guarantees, I think, are gone next year. So if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But they were able to get this deal, not have to give up a number one pick. And uh, I think they came out of it very well, and I think they can do well with Carson. Yeah, I think so. Because if you look at the AFC South, that's the two dogs in the AFC South, the Titans and and, and the the Colts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The other two is is a wait-and-see situation. I heard that uh, Trevor Lawrence is doing pretty decent. I mean, that's in shorts. Yeah. In OT, in the, yeah. Yeah, but of course, I, I mean, I, we say that because, I mean, Joe Burrow did well last year, but the, the Bengals were so bad they couldn't win, and he got hit so many times that it was yeah. brutal and, and, and blowing out his ACL. Yeah. Do you think they fixed that offensive line problem in Cincinnati? No, I don't think so. I, don't, I mean, it's like, oh. I mean, it's like they, uh, they keep drafting, but uh, like this year, they didn't draft a first round. Uh, offensive lineman, they took a, a wide receiver. So how's that help the offensive line? And again, it's like maybe not at all. Yeah, it's like they should have taken Penny Sewell, but they didn't. Yeah. You know, Mister Clayton, that's that's the deal with some 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 organizations is, is the decision making. Yeah, it makes you just scratch your head sometimes. Like, do you know that the, the, to me the whole crux of like football, you've got to fix your offensive line and your defensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got the quarterback, but you got to fix the offensive line, defensive line. And, you know, stopping the run and be having the ability to run the ball right. is paramount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and some teams just makes you wonder what are they thinking when they look at what their glaring needs are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, in free agency, 
or in the draft. You see that need. If, you know, it's nothing wrong with picking up an offensive lineman, even later in the round, a versatile guy, somebody that can come in and help you out on your offensive line, as far as that's concerned. With bringing up Bud Dupree, Pittsburgh losing Bud Dupree. How do you see that stack up for Pittsburgh this year? Mm, I don't know if High, Alex Highsmith is going to be good enough to fill fill the void, but you know, they still have uh, you know T.J. Watt, so that's that's encouraging. They uh, you know they they have a good front seven, so they're I think they're okay there. Hayward's Hayward's good in the defensive line. I know yeah. that uh, Pro Football Focus rated him the best defense in football, so I don't know if I agree with that, but I think they can still be pretty good on defense. Certainly, they have questions at the cornerback position, but at least they have some answers. But uh, I think defensively, I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, that Marshawn Lattimore just just extended his contract for the Saints. No, no, he didn't. Relief. He he didn't extend his contract. He didn't. No. No, all he all he did was because uh, you know he's on the fifth year option. He took uh, yeah. he they just took him down to the nine hundred ninety thousand dollar base salary, and he put everything else in signing bonus. And so, uh, oh, okay, and, and it was four avoidable years. So he's a free agent next year. Oh yeah, well I I don't see them letting him walk out oh, no, the door because no. yeah they were looking at Drake Kirkpatrick this weekend this week as mm-hmm. far as that is, is that. Is that a possible move that they're it's looking possible, at? It's possible, yeah, because, I mean, they're still suffering from losing uh, Jackrabbit, Janoris Jenkins. So that yeah. that, that hurt. And so uh, I know they're still looking for cornerback help. But, again, it's like I, I just, I'm skeptical of how that team's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, it all starts at the head of the snake, and that's, that's the quarterback. Right, agreed. You know, yeah. I mean, you lose Drew Brees, and you you got to see how Sean Payton delegates and works with Jameis Winston mm-hmm. as far as his starting quarterback is concerned. Because you know you Sean's know? not going to stand for the interceptions. No, no. Right, Mr. Clayton, I'm not going to stand for the interceptions. I'd have to take a trip down there and talk to him. Yeah. I mean, come on. You can't go around throwing 33 interceptions no. in a season. No. No. No, that's, that's bad business right there, automatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's saying all the right things in press conferences right now. They say he's looking better. He's got himself in top condition. Let's see if his mindset changes. That's you know? true. Hey, JB, yeah. thank That's you for the only- phone call. And put in a good word in the post office because I'd like to get my mail. I definitely will do that, Mr. Clayton. I'm on it right now after we get off the phone, my friend. Okay, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. And please do uh, find out that even though it's going to be a short show, uh, Seattle Sports Saturday is back on the air. It'll be joining us at 11 o'clock. Of course, I'll be only going until 12 because Mariner pregame starts at 12, 115 on the Mariner game. Give us a call at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Raider Jim. Hey, Jim. Hi, John. How you doing? Hanging in there. Good. Good, John. Uh, John, did you see the passing of uh, Jim Fossil announced earlier this week? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seems like a real decent Oh, guy, he, was a, he was a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time I saw him was at a Ram game uh, on the sideline because, you know, his son was the former special teams coach for the Rams. Now he's down in Dallas and certainly mm-hmm. one of the best special teams coaches in the league, if not the best. And so, uh, yeah, very sad to see Jim because Jim was such a good guy, great guy to talk to, good coach, all those different things. Passes away at the age of 71. 
Yeah, he, he, he died pretty young, John. His son, by the way, has had the, well, they both have uh, roots with the Raiders organization. Um, Jim Fossil was a quarterback's coach for two years before mm-hmm. he ended up getting the head coaching job with the Giants. Right. And then his son, John, uh, started his, his NFL coaching career as a special teams coach with the Raiders for at least three, if not four seasons before mm-hmm. he ended up going down to the Rams. Right. Being there with uh, Sean McVay for a while before he transferred over to, to Dallas. So real sad to see that. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I remember you and I were talking about, you know, w- whether the Raiders should be moving to Las Vegas. And at the time, uh, the, the, there was the USFL. Right. And they talked to Jim because he was the head coach of the franchise there. Mm-hmm. And they were headquartered in Las Vegas. And he told of his experience with trying to work with the casinos, which is really the only, um, the only industry there is the gaming and entertainment industry. And um, they were quite reluctant to want to take their rank and file on a Sunday afternoon and take them away and uh, have them in ball games. They want people in the casinos. <laughs> and Fossil pointed that out quite nicely. Mm, nice. And and I think that was interesting to hear his perspective because uh, you know he he and he by the way he uh, he was a resident of Las Vegas ever since then. He um, he that was his last home in Las Vegas. So he had a good pulse and feel for what was going on there. And that could still virtually be the case if the Raiders don't start winning, John. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I'm still kind of wondering what the league's going to do because you know they're not going to let the players go to the casinos, right? Right. And right. so where do, where do you go if you're going to be you know, living in Vegas and what do you do? That's exactly it. It's going to be an interesting dynamic, John, to see it all play out. It really mm-hmm. is. Uh, John, did you see Juwan James filed his grievance uh, earlier this week? Yeah, yeah, 15 million bucks. Uh, right. And I was reading over the cap that you know, uh, these things are usually deliberated upon once the grievance takes place and it's, it's decided. It usually won't be decided until sometime next year. Mm-hmm. And if if the, if he wins, he gets six million. If the uh, uh, and it goes that six million goes against the cap, right? For the for the Broncos, if the Broncos lose, it's nine million against the cap in twenty twenty two. And I think that's real interesting to see that that's going to play out. And he also said that um, usually these things are settled before they get to a decision on that kind of thing. But he seems to think, Fitzgerald, Jason Fitzgerald over the cap, seems to think that this is not going to be one of those cases where they're going to settle. Yeah, because, although I'll tell you what, I mean, if you're Jawan James, you better consider a settlement because say what you want, uh, the mistake that he made, and I think it's a big mistake, you know, like, for example, if you opt out like he did last year, and again, perfectly fine to opt out, right? I mean, pandemic, big body, all those different things. But you go back, he signed a four-year, $51 million contract. He played three games in his first year there, 63 plays, and then hurt his knee. Right. 63 plays. So then he opts out, which is fine. But that pushes the guarantee, that $10 million base guarantee, into this year. And so now he instead of being smart enough to train at the facility coming off, you know, where he hasn't played hardly in two years, he decides to do this on his own and he blows out as an Achilles. And so it's like, uh, you know, that's three years at 63 plays, but there's no way the Broncos can keep him. No way. Well, I think they made a good decision. Although I think that, um, I think we talked about this too, that James got caught in the vortex of what the players association wants and and what, and what the, the, the Broncos need as far as production out of a player. And, well, how about um, and just, I just ha- having him on the field? 
I mean, 63 <laughs> plays in three years, and he's making $12.75 million a year? You've yeah. got to be kidding then, me. Yeah, Again, right. the, mistake, the mistake is, it's like, okay, you stay, you stay away for uh, a season, right? Uh, and then you come back and you say, okay, so uh, now I'm going to train on my own? You got to be. That's that, to me. It's ridiculous. I think I was going through the list. You know, I, I had like 71 guys who opted out last year, and so you know how many are still in the league, and it's going to be less. The answer is 32. Wow. Only 32. Wow. Interesting. Less than half, John. Yeah. Yeah. And Less so, than and that, and we're, we haven't even made it to the start of the regular season yet. Wow. So it's like uh, there'll be so much less. I mean, if you stay away of football for a year. Uh, it makes it really difficult to be able to, uh, you know, get your your body back and all that stuff. I mean, so that, that's what well, I look, wonder about. Look, look what happened to Kyle Long uh, yeah. earlier this week with the Chiefs. Right. He was out for a year. He went into retirement. He signed a contract with the Chiefs, and now he's hurt his knee. Uh huh. Uh huh. Perfect example. No, it didn't hurt his knee. About. It was a, it was a lower leg. It first oh, came out it? as a knee injury, but it's a lower leg. Got it. Okay, but but the point being is that perfect example of what you're talking about. It takes a while for your body to get in football shape. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially with these those big bodies or what what uh what uh, what uh, John Mann used to call the big uglies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, what, I mean, um, but to me why is it that uh, you would take the tack that's like okay, I'm going to train on my own when you haven't played football hardly in 2 years. Well, he, the, the mitigating factor on that too that I read is that the 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 Broncos gave him protocols, uh, workout protocols for for him to get back in shape or right. to get in shape, and he he took those protocols into account when he was working out on his own. I don't know if that's going to be such a factor, John. I don't know, but it's interesting to hear it all play out. And then, of course, he signs a contract with the Ravens, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting too. Yeah, I mean, which with the, that was a smart thing on his part. Now again, I mean, he obviously lowered his value because I'm sure he's making, uh, you know, just a little over a million dollars uh, with the minimum base salary, and they guaranteed him five hundred. And then if you next year, he's I mean, it's a two year three point eight million dollar deal, but uh, you know he's got incentives that can take it up the two year deal to nine million. But the problem is, you know, he has to play, and yeah. he hasn't played in three years hardly. Right, and they're saying he won't play until 2022 anyway. No, I mean, John Harbaugh came out and said that uh, they think there's a chance maybe in late November or December he could do it. I don't buy it, but, uh, you know, they, they got him cheap for next year if he's able to play. They got a roster bonus. You know, they no, no guarantee after this year. They just pay him the uh, $1075 million. Hey, Jim, well, I think th- it's shrewd on the Ravens' part to do it. If, yeah. if they feel he has talent, apparently he does. I mean, yeah. he's a high draft choice. And then, you know, I mean, they did, they lost Orlando Brown in the trade, right? Right, right. And so they, they need – and then they've got Villanueva coming in from the Steelers, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting dynamic, too, to see how that plays out. Yeah, because he's 33 years old, and he's on a one-year deal, and they have a two – well, it's actually a two-year deal, but it's a $200,000 roster bonus next year. So it's like they, they'll decide between James and they'll decide between uh, Villanueva. So it's like they have two options for next year. Hey, Jim, thank you for the phone call. Okay, John. Take care. All right, eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Tara in Mercer Island. Hi, Mr. Clayton. How are you? Good, Tara. How are you? I'm great. Given what Russell Wilson said about restructuring restructuring his contract, would you pay Jamal Adams the highest paid? If you were the GM, would you pay Jamal Adams? the highest paid 
safety will pay him like a gant. Yeah, I, I'd I'd say right now if you can get him for fifteen point five million a year because Justin Simmons for Denver got fifteen twenty five. If you can get him for fifteen five, that'd be great. Now you may have to go to sixteen because of the fact that he gets sacks. He's probably asking for seventeen, but you can't go that high. But I think you can go between uh, fifteen five and sixteen and get some kind of a deal done. That's exactly what I was thinking. I. I was thinking 16-2, but I'm a little bit concerned about him holding out. Bobby Wagner did that a couple years in it, ago, and it worked really well for him. But he's been a Seahawks, mm-hmm. a Seahawks his whole career. Now, Jamal Adams missed some game due to injury, and it's a pretty complex system. So when do you think they'll get the deal done with him so he can get back to work i'd say toward the end of training camp somewhere in that neighborhood because i think it's just going to be very difficult to uh, you know get it done too early but again you know with that cap possibly going up so high next year to 208 million dollars you don't want to delay it because i mean the value of all players are going to go up next year and you can fit some things in this year and again you know it's like uh, you can even take the cap and uh, work it out so that uh, you can you know, put them at four or five million dollar cap room this year, and then not have to redo anybody because you know they're you know they did the uh, Michael Dixon deal and they saved a million point one on that, so they're close to eight million dollars as far as cap room, and so you can maybe uh, you know save five or so million dollars on some kind of a deal this year on. Uh, you know, getting Jamal Adams done. But I, I think that uh, the sooner you can do it, the better. Uh, I know that uh, Brady Henderson was on the air this week, and he said there is some progress being made, but nothing is close. Did, were you able to attend one of the practices? I, I forgot which day you said. Yeah, I went, I went Thursday. To... I couldn't go Tuesday because uh, Pat, my wife, had a, a, a doctor's appointment, and so I went on Thursday. And it was uh, it was good to be there. Because one, as you know, it's like they, 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 you, you can you can you can watch and you can see a lot of the stuff. But the problem was that the offense was practicing on the other side of the field, and you knew this from you know being where you are watching because it's it's a, a long watch to be able to do it. So it's like I couldn't see too much of the offensive players because again it was so far away, and we're on the berm, you know, uh, you know, watching from there. So we uh, we were able to. To see it, uh, I, I end up leaving a little bit early. Now, I'm hoping I can see some things this week. Now, I know Wednesday I can't go because Pat has a doctor's appointment. Tuesday, it may rain, and if they go indoors, I can't see because they won't let us in. And then uh, Thursday, I'm, I know I'll be there. Right. I think they should move it closer for training camp so we could see what's going on closer. And... um. On the Packers standpoint, about 25 minutes ago, did you see what Doug Fawari posted on Twitter? No, what did he post? Um, he posted a quote from Mark Murphy, the CEO, and he fielded questions about um, Aaron Rodgers, uh-huh. and he brought up what Ted Thompson said a couple years ago, and then he put his foot in his mouth and said how complicated Aaron Rodgers is. What are they doing to him? I mean, again, it's like uh, you know, they, they, they screwed up. I mean, they made a major mistake. Now, 
uh, on the Ted Thompson front, it's like uh, they didn't make a major mistake taking Aaron Rodgers because all I know is that I ended up calling Ted the day before the draft and saying, Ted, you probably know this, but uh, I'm telling you right now, if uh, Aaron Rodgers gets past nine in Washington, he's coming down to you. So now all of a sudden you have a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback falling in your lap in the mid-20s. How can you pass that up? In this case, they made the stupid mistake of trading up, not getting help for Aaron Rodgers, and putting a quarterback on the roster that's supposed to take his job away. I mean, it's like, if that's the case, how can Aaron Rodgers trust management? Right, and he shouldn't. And it reminds me, like you bring up, it reminds me a lot of Carson Mm -hmm. Hummel, and it reminds me a lot of how Brett Favre left. I mean, he didn't leave very happy either. Oh, no. No, he was, I mean, because again, I mean, you know, Favre knew, just like Aaron Rodgers knew, if you're bringing a quarterback in, you're gone in two years. Simple as that. And that's the immediate part that Aaron Rodgers felt. And then the worst part is they didn't get any, any receiver help. And so, you know, he, he can say, oh, I've had a well-paid career. I've done this. I've done that. But in the end, what you're looking at is that uh, he's lost four consecutive NFC championship games. And his legacy is, well, you can't win the big one to get to the Super Bowl. Well, part of the reason is they haven't given enough receivers. I know why right? it's pretty pathetic. Do you see the Saints trying to make a run for him because they don't have a quarterback either? Well, they've got uh, Jameis Winston, so you're probably right about that. But also, they don't have any cap room. I mean, they had to shave $118 million of cap room just to get under the cap. So it's like uh, they can't do anything. They can't fit in his salary. So, no, there's no way that they can pick up Aaron Rodgers. None. Hey, Tara, I've got to run. Thank you. Okay, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Dave in Edmonds. Hey, Dave. Oh, hi. What are the chances of the Sonics coming back? Uh, they'll, they'll come back. Well, Sonic's not coming back. I mean, they're going to be in Oklahoma City, but an NBA team, uh, when they expand next, I think is definitely going to be uh, Seattle. So, uh, But I don't know how many years that's going to take. But the Sonics aren't coming back. I mean, uh, they're in Oklahoma City, and uh, you know they're, they're not leaving there, even though they're, they failed miserably. Owners, I mean, Howard Schultz screwed this thing up big time from Seattle, and then, you know, just for the money, ends up selling it to Oklahoma City. They go down there, and, you know, that was a team that probably had a chance to win a couple NBA titles, and they blew it. Yeah, it's going to be a new franchise? Yeah, it'll be an expansion team. Uh, When? In a few years? Several years. Probably, I'd say, eight, nine years. I don't know. It's like uh, whenever they they do their next TV deal, I think is going to be probably when that would happen. And I don't know how many more years they have in the TV contract, but uh, you know, uh, it's gonna. It, it won't be soon, but uh, you know, the way they continue to talk it up, there's a decent chance that that will happen because I think they'll expand by two. Seattle will get one. I don't know if Vegas is going to get the other, but uh, they'll get an NBA franchise. It's just going to take time, but they'll get. In other words, they're going to get the next NBA franchise. Okay. Okay. Thanks. All right, Dave, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Mike in Renton. Hey, Mike. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. How are you and Pat? Doing well. Good, good, good. Hey, John, I want to say something. The gentleman that was just on about the Sonics, Yeah. I seen something on ESPN about Alex Rodriguez 
and a few investors want to bring an NBA team to Seattle. He said he's trying to get Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Their attendance is very bad. So there could be some hope there that uh, there's a team coming soon because Alex Rodriguez made it very clear that Seattle needs a basketball team. That's good. That would be encouraging. I mean, you know, it, they tried with Sacramento, but uh, that didn't work out because the mayor stepped up and, uh, you know, made sure that they ended up staying there uh, and, get, you know, getting enough money to be able to make that work. But uh, that would be great. I mean, again, you you still wonder, you know, is a, a move going to work out? But, uh, hey, if the money's not working out in Minnesota and you've got new ownership, maybe there can be a chance. Yeah, we got a new arena and everything yep, else. Yep, so yep. It's, it's there. Hey, John, last week I was down in Southern California visiting my two sons. I happened to go by that new stadium where the Rams and the Chargers play. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that thing looks like something out of space. Oh, really? it's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous, John. That's great. It's huge. It, this property is so big. They're building condos on this. And I can imagine what they're going to cause. Oh yeah, and of course, I mean, I, I, and I think they're going to be building businesses and things like that. I mean, it's a it's a thriving area because yeah. uh, you know it's right near the airport. Uh, it's outside the city. Yeah, I think that thing can be great. Of course, you know, having not traveled since uh, February or last year, I have no clue because I've not been in an airplane and not been down to L.A. or anything else. It's like I'd love to at some point be able to get down to uh, Santa Monica and take a little vacation because I haven't taken a vacation in seven or eight years, but uh, that's unfortunately not going to happen. Hey, John, is NFL Network building, do they have their headquarters down there? No, no, they're downtown. Uh, you know, they, they, they have it down uh, in L.A. Live, I think. Because I've seen a building right next to the stadium there it's a huge white building mm-hmm. on top of the building it had the nfl network uh signature and i'm saying is that their offices they may be in the process of moving there but i think that uh if i'm not mistaken where they where they are operating out of is nfl live i mean la live which is downtown and uh you know because there's a lot, lot of businesses and things like that downtown but i, I think they're there but maybe they're going to be in the process of moving because i know at some point that's where they're going to be. So uh, whether they're, they're there now or not, uh, that that's eventually where they're going to be. Hey John, any word out of Pittsburgh? Anything good you can tell me? You know, I know. I mean, it was. I thought it was good to hear Juju uh, Smith Schuster talking about uh, how he's hoping to get a long-term contract, and you know, he was very satisfied in taking the one-year deal just to stay in Pittsburgh because he knew he didn't want to go to Baltimore because he knew the Baltimore fans would chew him up and eat him out, and so it's like. Uh, I thought that was encouraging because, you know, I think that, uh, you know, he's still a number one receiver. So I think that's good. Sounds like uh, Ben's having a good offseason, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I know Pro Football Focus, I think, if I'm not mistaken, put the Steeler defense as the number one defense in football right now, even though they lost Bud Dupree and all that. So there's some encouraging things going on. question is, is how many points can we score on offense? Yeah, I agree. And uh <laughs> And it sounds like, I mean, they're they're getting away from that stupid uh, pass them short type of offense, which yeah, didn't work stupid. out well last year. They're throwing the ball a little bit deeper, which is, I think, smarter. Yeah. I just hope they move away from Judo. He needs to grow up. Yeah, well, what the heck? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, yeah, you know, receivers can be divas. He's a little bit of a diva, but uh, he's a good receiver. He's a number one receiver. There's no question about that. Yeah, I just see something in him reminds me of Antonio Brown. Yeah, no, he's not that bad. 
Well, he, he does a lot of stupid stuff, John. He does a lot of stupid stuff, but again, it's like uh, it's it's not bad stuff to women, not bad stuff to other people. Well, it could lead up to that. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Hey, John, good talking to you. Okay, Mike, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Robert in Kirkland. Hey, Robert. Hey, John, thanks for taking my call again. Um, I got a couple of questions for you. DK Metcalf caught 83 passes for mm-hmm. 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. What more? You know, that's awesome. Real, you know, to me, that's pretty damn good. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Know? Got him to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. What more could he improve on, you think, in your opinion? Do you think it's anything like 87 catches, 11 TDs, and 1,300 yards next this year? I mean, he could. I mean, I mean he, you know, it, it depends on how many passes they throw more than anything else. Uh, but you can see that, uh, you know, T.J. Lockett got over 100 passes. And, uh, you know, and you can see that D.K. has the ability to get to 100 passes. So at some point he can do that because, you know, the, the big thing is now in that second half of the season last year, you know, when they put up the cover two, you know, things really kind of slowed down for both receivers. So he's got to mm-hmm. find better ways to beat the cover two, but also, uh, you know, so does this offense. And so I think that's going to be the key. And I do think from what, you know, you heard Russell Wilson talking about how complex this offense is, how he likes this offense. I think it does put everybody in a position to try to, uh, you know, be able to do better. And so the question is going to be how many more pass targets it's going to be. Because what was it, if I remember correct, it was like 132 targets for Lockett, 129 for uh, Metcalf. And so, you know, you figure that uh, you get more efficient, particularly going against the zone defenses. And if he can do Mm -hmm. that well, then maybe he can get 90 or so. Okay, so getting that um, tight end from the Rams, is yeah. that going to help? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, what you're kind of saying is the beat the cover twos, yeah. you would do those little dump passes to the tight end cutting down the middle, and we never really had that. You know, we did, but... Jacob, Hollister, Jacob Hollister did a decent job with that. He did, he did, and I love Hollister, but man, he would always get injured when yeah. we really needed him, mm-hmm. and that's what sucks. You know, it's just like, I love the guy because he's a battler, and right. that position, if you're not in that physique shape, you know, like some of those guys are, you get injured hard because mm-hmm. you're getting pounded on. But so this guy we got from L.A., and I didn't pay much attention to it, but I've been hearing on, you know, you know the stations, y'all, they're going crazy about this guy. Is yeah, he Gerald really Everett. that good? Yeah, I think, I yeah. mean, he's he's improving, and what's good is that, number one, uh, you know, the, the offensive coordinator was a tight ends coach when he came into the league. And so uh, that so you know there's there's a relationship there and a knowledge there. He already knows the Rams type of defense and what he needs to do there. I mean, and he kept getting better and better. Now again, he wasn't a starter, but again, he got I think 41 catches last year. So he continued to improve and improve and improve. So I mean, he's a player that's on the rise that now is going to be a little bit featured more. Okay, my I got one more last question. Yeah. And I was talking to your producer off the air about this. And I would like to get your opinion. What would happen if the NFL said, you know what, for five years, we're going to do a five-year experiment, no cap space? What would happen, you think? 
and I'll take the answer off the air. Yeah, Thank the, you, sir. The, the, it would never happen because, again, if, uh, if they do that, then the owners will go crazy because uh, you won't be able to afford anything. I mean, the reason for the cap is that it controls where you, you can make your money in the National Football League. You know, players are going to get you know 48.5% of the cap. The owners get 515 as far as, you know, what's going to be all the revenue in the league. And with revenue going up, you know, at some point uh, to $25 billion. I mean, you know, that, that if you take away the cap, it's going it to just kill it. It's going to be like baseball. I mean, you have no control over over the costs, and that's what they will never, ever do. And, of course, you notice now, I mean, they've got a CBA for 10 years, so it's like it's not going to happen. I mean, they're going to keep the cap, and that's what you have to deal with. I mean, you have flexibility to be able to rework contracts, do all those different things to make the cap work for every team, but they're never going to give away the cap because, again, you can control spending and you know have budgets and everything else. Let's go to Irish Mankey. Irish Mankey, how are you? Hello. Mr. Clayton, fantastic, and as always, it's a Saturday, and that means Mrs. Clayton and you should have a wonderful day. Well, let's hope so. We are against the clock here, so quickly, I guess the big news, you know, is the announcement here of uh, a college football 12-team playoff. Yeah. And I find it telling that uh, the committee uh, that uh, put together the concept was Swarbeck, Big 12, SEC, Mountain West. But where were the Pac-12? They weren't there, Mr. Clayton. Yeah, that's true. Insignificant. That's... And apparently the recommendations from those those people will uh, be put forward on June the 17th and 18th when mm-hmm. the CPA Management Committee gets together. So what do you think? I mean, do you like the idea of 12? I think 12 is too much. I'm I'm happy with eight. Well, it is what it is, Mr. Clayton. Yeah, I mean, four, I, four, four is ridiculous. I mean, well, four is yeah, so outdated. History. So, yeah, no, it's 12 teams. It's the first four ranked, highest ranked, one, two, three, four, get a bye, and then you've got an eight-team uh, first-round playoff. Mm-hmm. And it works like a normal playoff system was. Now, apparently the... Uh, first round playoffs will be played at, at home ga- as home games right. by the highest seeded teams. Uh-huh. So, so basically, five, six, seven, eight would have the home games, and the others would visit. Well, I, what I think is so ridiculous is that when they have, you know, they've had the four for so long and they never updated it. And I mean, how can you win a conference championship and not get into the playoffs? I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, and then that, I think that solves that problem, right? Yeah, it does. No question about it. Because again, what's so bad is that they'll take two SEC teams <laughs> or two ACC teams, and then they'll they'll have a, a conference that uh, doesn't get in. And I just think that's so unfair. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, this changes that for sure. Oh, yeah. It would go into effect uh, 2023, mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. years away. Now, a telling quote, because I know you've always been pushing, and I, I think you do it just to push my button, this question of independence with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And so I will quote here from uh, Swarbrick the following. As an independent, Notre Dame Swarbrick feels the need to conduct business as a conference there on its own. Yeah. With similar responsibilities and stipulations to that of a conference. They need to get in the conference. No, they've, what they've done to, to deal with that issue is they're adding a game. They'll play their own conference championship, you might say, 
by adding uh, 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 and playing a 13-game schedule. And that's the drill. Yeah, that doesn't, make any, that doesn't make any Mr. sense. Mr. Clayton. Yes. Yes, yes, and playoffs are coming. Yeah, I'm happy about that. BYU needs to get into the, uh, the Pac-12, and uh, Notre Dame needs to get into the no, ACC. No, 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 I have no problems with any Pac-12 you want to uh, rearrange. Yeah. Lord knows they need it. Mm-hmm. They really, they're pitiful right now. They, they're, they went from being a great conference and, and playing with the big boys to insignificant. Well, that's what happens when you hire Larry Scott. Well, just, you, I've just uh, you know, we, yeah. all we can judge is the conference as it stands, right. not necessarily the individuals. Not that I disagree. Yeah, they had a, apparently a very poor uh, business manager, you might call him, you know. No doubt. Hey, all right, Mr. Irish, Clayton, thank have you. Have a great weekend. 866 ESPN, 206 espn John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.